crews are out working right now. They'll be working overnight. The snow is supposed to start in the middle of the night. More South Coast snow. Who's getting hit the hardest? And the warnings about the Monday morning commute. Plus. It's really good to see somebody that, uh, to step up. Flood recovery continues in the Fraser Valley with a motorcycle club stepping in with heavy equipment for homeowners. And... Everything was frozen. There was mud at the bottom of the stairs and I couldn't even shovel out. More Merritt residents returning home today with growing questions about how the evacuations were handled. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. After a brief reprieve from record-breaking rain, BC's south coast is now bracing for its first snowstorm of the season. Warnings and alerts have been issued with up to 15 centimeters expected in some areas. Kamal Karmali now on how the region is preparing for what could be a messy morning commute. A dip in temperature wreaking havoc on the roads Sunday. Drivers blaming an icy bridge deck for a crash that knocked out nearly a dozen vehicles, including a bus along King George Boulevard south of Highway 10 in Surrey. Seven people were taken to hospital with injuries. It's kind of cold outside right now. Snow falling fast and furiously on a flood-ravaged Abbotsford Saturday, but this was just the beginning. The south coast and Vancouver Island expected to be pummeled by snow overnight Sunday and into Monday for the morning commute. People were probably waking up, see snow outside, and then uh, all even just uh, wet, uh, wet snow on the ground. So it's going to be slippery uh, drive. The city of Vancouver's salt yard fairly quiet Sunday. With mountains of salt ready to be distributed on the roads, these trucks will be put into action overnight. Crews are out working right now. They'll be working overnight. The snow is supposed to start in the middle of the night, so they'll be out uh, doing any plowing and salting. Just try and make it, you know, add salt to water. Here at the Cloverdale salt yard, this maintenance crew is preparing to brine the province's highways. Right now it's looking like it's going to be nice and dry snow, not too wet. So it's looking like it's going to be a decent event. Vancouver Island expected to be hit first with the snowfall. Last year, somebody stole my snow shovel off my front porch. Becky Beck in Nanaimo is trying to make the best out of a bad situation. So when I seen that there's going to snow tomorrow, I got a new one and I got another one. And because I work in a daycare, I know those kids are going to be wanting to be dragged around. And she's not the only one. This home hardware stocking up on supplies for its customers. We got some snow shovels, uh, a bit of ice melter, um, toboggans and sleds for the kids, of course. In hopes this snowfall will be more of a cause for fun rather than causing collisions during the morning commute. Kamal Karmali, Global News. And with more on what we can expect during the morning commute, here's meteorologist Yvonne Shell. So Yvonne, how's it looking right now? Yeah, it could be very challenging, especially for that morning commute. So you want to give yourself some extra time. Already starting to see a few flurries or flakes flying just across the island, inland near Port Alberni. And it is going to pick up across the island this evening. But the bulk of the moisture and snowfall across Metro Vancouver developing or beginning overnight and taking us in towards the morning hours. Now the snowfall warning extends across the island, right in towards the Sunshine Coast. That's the areas in white, special weather 
statement in yellow for Howe Sound, Metro Vancouver, and including the Fraser Valley. Now, it'll be temperature dependent. We'll be watching it. We'll be close to or hovering the freezing mark. Elevation always plays a big factor. And locally, we could see two and up to five centimeters, but it's higher elevations between five and 10, extending into the Fraser Valley. And upwards between 15 and up to 20 centimeters is possible. That'll be inland across the island near Campbell River. We'll be watching this very closely. It's the morning that you'll need to give yourself that extra time. Be prepared, if possible, work from home. But we are going to be tracking that higher elevations if you're traveling in the mountain passes. I'll have that forecast coming up shortly as well. Nithu? All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. Flood recovery efforts continue in the Fraser Valley today with assistance coming in several forms. The province announcing expanded financial aid for flood victims. And as Grace Key reports, a motorcycle club has rolled up its sleeves to help those in need. Mud and debris has covered a road in front of Jeff Hodgson's Lindell Beach property near Cultus Lake for the last three weeks. A culvert backed up after floodwaters came pouring in from across the border. Three Sundays ago, it, uh, it flooded the road. Probably noticed all the mud on Monday. Couldn't really get out, couldn't get out in the car, so we're just kind of stranded here for three days. The road was partially cleared, but Jeff was desperate for help. That finally came from the Sikh Motorcycle Club of Canada, who have been volunteering their time and equipment to help people affected by the floods. Uh, the whole human race is one, so that's what we believe in. And uh, it doesn't matter who wants help. If, if help is needed, we go extra mile for that. While cleanup continues, financial assistance for people affected by the recent flooding and landslides has been expanded. It now includes British Columbians in the northwest, southwest, central and southeast areas of the province and on Vancouver Island. Anyone with a private drinking water well in flooded areas of Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley Regional Districts are being warned of an increased risk of contamination. This is from a potential overflow or failures of liquid manure storage systems. Owners are being advised to assess their wells. Evacuation orders remain for much of the Sumas Prairie. The city of Abbotsford has broken the area up in four sections with the return home plan. An evacuation order was lifted for the north on Friday. This is the Sikh Motorcycle Club's second volunteer project in the Fraser Valley. As for Jeff, he's just relieved to see the debris gone. It's really good to see somebody that uh, to step up. Yeah. And, you know, and very concerning about the road. You know, now now it's going to be, you know, at least two lanes. Grace Key, Global News. Merritt residents are now allowed back into their homes to salvage what they can during the day, but hundreds remain out overnight. And questions continue over how officials handled the evacuations. Global's Jules Knox reports. A jumble of mud and muck still coating people's basements in Merritt after the Coldwater River breached its banks three weeks ago. And now the frost is setting in too. I just got back this last, this weekend and everything was frozen. There was mud at the bottom of the stairs and I couldn't even shovel that. Fridges and freezers tossed and tumbled, hundreds of basements completely ruined. And some people are upset they weren't allowed back in to mitigate the damage sooner. You want to be in here right away. Just to get all the water and moisture out so you don't get mold in behind the walls. I've had no information. I, I don't even know if my water's on or off. I don't know how to get a hold of anybody to get the water off if it is on. You know, I mean, if, if the pipes burst and then it thaws again, then I'll have more water in my basement. But city officials defend the decision to keep people out of their homes in the hardest hit area until recently. We had roads that were missing. We had exposed pipes that were all over the place. 
uh, it was, you could not safely allow people into those areas. 362 properties remain under an evacuation order in Merritt. Officials say that those places have structural damage or problems with utilities like gas and hydro, so those evacuation orders will be lifted on a case-by-case basis. If they have had the electrical inspectors, the gas inspectors in, um, and they have water and sewer, then we're asking them to inform us at the Resiliency Centre and we will remove them from the evacuation order area. Meanwhile, homeowners continue stripping basements back to their studs. There's no power and I don't know when Hydro will put a meter on. I'm waiting for an electrician to do an inspection and then they got to let Hydro know and they come and put a meter on. And there's a, no water yet. It's kind of hard to clean. And while many flood victims are focused on cleaning and gutting basements, officials say there are some people who have homes that will never be lived in again. At least I have a home to come to. A lot of people don't. Jules Knox, Global News, Merritt. And we know that British Columbians come out to help in any time of need. So Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM730 and Global Okanagan are partnering for BC Together in support of BC flood relief. You can visit our website at globalnews.ca slash bctogether to see the list of groups stepping up to help and donate if you can to an organization of your choice. Two major milestones today in B.C.'s recovery from the damaging rainstorms. CN has announced that traffic has resumed on its rail line between Vancouver and Kamloops. The route through the Fraser Canyon was shut down by a series of mudslides in mid-November. That included a rail bridge washout and derailment near Boston Bar. CP resumed limited service on November 24th. CN says its crews will continue to monitor both the rail infrastructure and the terrain over the coming weeks. And oil is once again flowing through the Trans Mountain Pipeline after a precautionary shutdown lasting more than two weeks. The line was shut down on November 16th following heavy rains and washouts along its route. Trans Mountain says there is no indication of leaks or other serious damage to the pipeline, but there's no word on when fuel rations in Metro Vancouver will be lifted. And breaking news, we are learning shocking details tonight about what appears to be a brazen targeted shooting in a Coquitlam neighborhood on Saturday. RCMP say a man was shot at Pine Tree and Chickadee Place in the Westwood Plateau area. He was treated and released. Amazingly, the victim's nine-year-old son, who was in the back seat of the RAV4, was not harmed. It happened at about 4.45 Saturday afternoon. Police also not releasing details about a possible connection with a burned vehicle found a short time later in a Port Moody cul-de-sac just off of Noons Creek Drive north of Eagle Ridge Hospital. Neighbours reported hearing a loud pop just before the car went up in flames at about 5 Saturday afternoon. And a disturbing discovery by emergency personnel in Abbotsford early this morning. Police and firefighters responded to a vehicle fire in the 5,000 block of Riverside Street just before 3 a.m. When the flames were extinguished, human remains were found inside. Major crime detectives and the Forensic Identification Unit have joined the investigation. Few other details are being released at this time. Riverside Street has been temporarily closed to traffic between Hallert and Township Line Roads. All right, Barry's here now because we have some breaking sports mm. news. A big shape up with the Vancouver Canucks, Barry, tonight. The team firing their head coach. What can you tell us? Yeah, well, maybe not a surprise for yeah. sure, Neetu. It's always a matter of uh, if, not uh, or 
Yeah, when? And it's certainly the when is now. Uh, Travis Green, about an hour and a half ago, it was uh, certainly announced that he is fired as head coach at the Canucks. And Bruce Boudreau, the former Anaheim Duck coach, Washington Capitals, Minnesota Wild. So Travis just could not get that young core going. He was touted as a guy who was brought in to get these young players, uh, you know, used to the NHL and getting them uh, to play a solid game and it did work a bit in the bubble a year and a half ago but uh, it has been nothing but disappointment especially this year and so Travis Green is out after four plus seasons and Bruce Boudreaux is in uh, we're not sure when there's going to be uh, official announcement from the Canucks but we have it confirmed that he is out and uh, they do play tomorrow at home against the LA Kings so perhaps uh, we expect Bruce Boudreaux will be in town and will be behind the bench then so this is all developing rather quickly, but as we said, not really a surprise. The way they played again last night against Pittsburgh, another meltdown. So uh, new head coach. We'll see if it makes a difference. All right, big news there, mm -hmm. but like you said, it was expected. Thanks mm -hmm. for that, Barry. We'll look all forward right. to more in sports coming up. Right now, though, another setback for a Vancouver man who's traveled the world to help others. Steve Sumner is an amputee who uses a modified bike to get around, but as Paul Johnson reports, that special bike he now uses has been the target of thieves. Stephen Sumner's mobility status is self-evident, so it's no surprise he chooses cycling over walking whenever he can. I use bikes for every single thing. I can ride nine hours a day on this bike. And we've yeah, met do. Sumner before. His charity work, helping other amputees, got him on the radar screen of Paul Dragon at Vancouver's Reckless Bikes. A few years ago, Dragon helped outfit him with a special bike for that work. But Sunday, he was back at Dragon's shop, and this time, it wasn't a feel-good story. When I came out in the morning, my wheels were gone. While spending the night in Vancouver, thieves made off with the custom tires on his main road bike. That alone is a $600 hit, but also a major headache, as you can't even get those wheels now because of the supply chain disorder. It's my fault, in a sense, but it's not my fault. And that is an insightful statement about the psychology of bike theft in Vancouver these days. With its open-air chop shops, the crime is ubiquitous and seemingly unstoppable. And what's worse, the collective sense seems to be if you have a nice bike, it's your fault someone stole it. It's not like Sumner wasn't being careful. Okay, I have this, and that's a... That's a $130 lock, right? I have that, and it's locked to that. And is that not enough? How can this happen? How, how far has our city gone downhill that we're stealing wheels from amputees? Well, Dragon will get Sumner sorted with a workaround for his wheels. What bothers him most is the change he's seen over the years and the reason why bikes are stolen in Vancouver and the apparent surrender that's taken place that an arms race between better locks and ever bolder thieves is the best we can do. They were stealing your bike because they wanted to ride it, right? People are stealing bikes and anything else that isn't locked down so they can sell it for 20 or $30 or $10 and get the next hit of whatever it is. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. 
A man has been charged with dangerous driving after allegedly crashing while trying to evade Vancouver police last month. The VPD's traffic unit says this Audi was clocked at 1.30 an hour in the curb lane of a 50K zone on Granville Street at 54th. When police went to flag the car over, they say the driver accelerated to 160 and swerved into oncoming lanes, narrowly missing officers. When he tried to turn right on 57th, the Audi crashed into the fence of a nearby home. The driver, who suffered minor injuries and had to be pulled out by firefighters, has also been slapped with a six-month driving ban. The festive season is here and it is time to be merry, but RCMP are giving fair warning. They're out in force to stop impaired drivers. Have you had any alcohol or cannabis or anything like that tonight? No, sir. No. Okay, very good. As of this weekend, you can expect to see more police officers on the road and even the occasional road stop as we enter the holiday season. This one in Kelowna. December is counterattack month and police are reminding drivers that alcohol is not the only problem on the roads. Prescription and non-prescription drugs can also impair the senses. So the question is, would you want to start planning a funeral around Christmas? I don't. Especially if it's as a result of an impaired driver. Those sorts of things are just stuff that we don't want anybody to have to go through. In the last year, Kelowna RCMP alone have removed more than 800 impaired drivers from the roads. And after the break, supporting local this holiday season. Customers are more mindful to make the choice uh, and ask, hey, is this coming from a local supplier? A look at how shopping at smaller retailers who source locally is even more important amid BC's devastating floods. And the unexpected damage that's put some Canadian military aircraft out of service. Buy Local Week is wrapping up in our province and some say it's more important than ever to keep supporting BC businesses through the pandemic and a year plagued by ongoing supply chain issues, wildfires and now devastating floods. Kristen Robinson reports. One turkey stock, one gravy. Awesome. This holiday season, the demand for local is high at Windsor Quality Meats where most of the cuts come from the flood-ravaged Fraser Valley. Customers are more mindful to make the choice uh, and ask, hey, is this coming from a local supplier? And I'm happy to say yes. Raul Granucci says the supply of some products like poultry has been disrupted by the disaster. I order heavy, maybe get half of what I asked for. But he says shoppers are sharing the limited bounty of fresh chicken and not hoarding as they did in the early days of COVID. When we look at food as being precious, we can also look at it as being an amazing gift to give. Through the pandemic and now floods, BC's agriculture minister has seen a shift, with people realizing extreme events can halt the food supply chain. But if you're buying something that says it's produced in British Columbia, in a way that's going to support that farmer that just has or is still going through that disaster right now. And it's made with, you know, a lot of hard work and love. The two Indigenous artists showcasing their work at this pop-up gallery say each piece of art, jewelry or print has a story behind it. All of the stuff here is made by us and it's here. You don't have to wait for it. Recent research from the non-profit Loco BC and Van City found local products keep up to 92 cents of every dollar 
recirculating in the local economy. If it does cost more, I'd like consumers to ask themselves, like, at, at what cost to the environment, at what cost to local jobs, and paying a little bit more for something that's locally grown, locally made, from a locally owned business supports your friends and neighbors. Could you also give me a fresh trade? I can pay my staff a good wage. And, says this local butcher, support everyone down the chain. I can pay the suppliers what they need so that they can maintain their business, as well as the distributor's job, which help us bring the product from the Fraser Valley to our dinner place here in the city. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Canadian military's fleet of maritime helicopters is undergoing inspections and repairs after unexpected damage was found. There is the Four CH-148 Cyclones are out of service after cracks were found in their tails. The cracks were first seen during a routine inspection on November 26th. Since then, three more aircraft were identified with cracks in them. Repairs are set to be complete in the coming days. Some Cyclones were deployed to BC to help those affected by the floods. And still ahead, tightening travel rules. Yeah, a lot of people have that, that uh, Groundhog Day, deja vu sort of feeling going, and I can't say I blame them. New restrictions kick in tomorrow. What you need to know about the changes prompted by the Omicron variant. Plus, rescuers dig through smoldering ash after the country's tallest mountain erupted, killing at least 14. Canadians flying to the U.S. are facing new travel restrictions on Monday. The rules are aimed at dealing with the Omicron variant and are frustrating to those counting on a return to more normal travel, especially near Canada's borders. Sean O'Shea reports. Just when some people thought it was safe to travel again. And then all of a sudden that, that dreaded uh, seven-letter word Omicron started creeping across the, uh, the news wires. Uncertainty is back, if it ever really went away. Canadian border communities like those in Ontario's Niagara region, more restrictions equal fewer inbound travelers. Our concerns are that border because, you know, 50% of the revenue typically comes from the USA. The Canadian land border reopened to Americans in August with excitement. The Americans returned the favor to fully vaccinated Canadian tourists last month. They're still open, but in this pandemic, there are no guarantees. The idea that we could possibly be locked down again and everybody wants to avoid that might create some patience for increased restrictions now. Foreign travelers landing in Canada other than Americans will need to get tested for COVID-19 on arrival and isolate awaiting their results. Canadians going abroad will face more testing too. The fear of being forced to quarantine back home is the real worry. Anyone who's thinking of traveling to Europe, to Asia, South America, wherever it may be. Appearing on the West Block with Mercedes Stevenson, the transport minister said tighter rules can't be avoided. No doubt there's still uncertainty in the air and I wish we didn't have it. However, we're in a pandemic. Yeah, a lot of people have that that. A groundhog day, deja vu sort of feeling going, and I can't say I blame them. Many communities still haven't recovered from previous restrictions. What we're saying is it's about risk management and not panicking, but planning. Communities wait to see whether these new restrictions will be enough as the pandemic playbook adds another page. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. One of the most durable American politicians of the 20th century has died. Bob Dole made one of his last public appearances in 2018 to salute former President George H.W. Bush as he lay in state. Dole was a veteran who was left largely without the use of his right arm because of injuries he suffered in the Second World War. 
He went on to spend a quarter century in the Senate representing the state of Kansas and lost to Bill Clinton in the 1996 presidential election. In recent years, Dole was one of the few old guard Republicans to endorse Donald Trump's presidential run. Bob Dole was 98 years old. Parts of Hawaii have been replaced under a rare blizzard warning. This time lapse shows the storm moving in on Hawaii's tallest peak known as the Mauna Kea. It's over 3,900 meters or 13,000 feet above sea level. The National Weather Service expects at least 30 centimeters of snow and wind gusts, upwards of 160 kilometers an hour. Officials say the warning will remain in effect for some time. At least 14 people have died and over 50 injured following a volcano eruption in Java, Indonesia. The country's tallest mountain erupted yesterday, causing thousands of people to evacuate. The eruption destroyed hundreds of homes and more than 30 schools were damaged. Ash could be seen built up on surfaces. And coming up next, searching for his humans. A displaced dog is in SPCA care after Good Samaritans spotted him solo in the flood-ravaged Sumas Prairie. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Paul will tell you about the effort to reunite this dog found wandering in the Fraser Valley flood zone with its family in just a moment. But right now, let's bring back meteorologist Yvonne Shell for another look at the forecast. We're going from heavy rain and flooding to snow dominating the forecast. Yeah, and temperatures are dropping off. We'll be close to recovering the freezing mark, and that's the recipe that we could see that snowfall for all areas across the south coast. And it'll be key, especially for the morning hours. It could be challenging for the morning commute. And that's what you want to give yourself that extra time and be prepared as we get in over night and for our Monday morning. Temperatures right now are sitting at three. We've got dry conditions reported at the airport. We've got an easterly wind at nine kilometers per hour. Starting to see some moisture picking up. It could be light snowfall right now across the island and a few spots along the Sunshine Coast. We'll see that, but it is really going to start to pick up for all areas along the south coast overnight and then as we look ahead towards our Monday morning. So here's the timeline, the future cast putting it into play. It is key for that morning commute that we'll see that snow. It could be wet snow for many areas and then change changing over to rain and then easing off through the afternoon and towards the evening. We should see that snowfall taper off across the region. It'll be similar for the southern interior with snow in the morning, two and up to four centimeters for most, and then drying out towards the afternoon or towards the evening rather. Snow forecast, so lots of variation locally though, two and up to potentially 10 centimeters. It's really higher elevations that will see that snowfall before it starts to change over. And then inland across the island, an area of concern, especially areas that are away from the water we could see up to 20 centimeters near Campbell River looks to be an area of concern with higher amounts through the day so stay tuned and tune back in Mark Madrigal have your forecast we'll be tracking it through the early morning hours also check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions we've got snowfall along the Malahat between 5 and potentially 10 centimeters the Coquihalla will see 5 and potentially 15 and for the sea to sky between 10 and 15 centimeters Different weather story and picture for the northern half of the province. Chilly, however, especially for the early morning hours and increasing cloud cover along coastal areas. Much of the central interior will be underneath a mix of sun and cloud. Southern interior near the valley bottoms will see two and up to four centimeters of snow for the morning. Clearing breaks towards the afternoon. Higher elevations will also see that snowfall heaviest for the morning hours if you're traveling along the mountain passes and then easing off through the day. Along the south coast, so we are watching the potential for that snowfall possible between two and up to 10 centimeters. Paired with windy conditions, we could see gusts of up to 40 
kilometers per hour. As temperatures get above the freezing mark, we'll see that transition wet snow changing over to rain through the day. Looks to be periods of rain on Tuesday. The next chance for some flurries could be for our Thursday night. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, the BC SPCA is trying to reunite a dog found in the Fraser Valley flood zone with its humans. Oh, hi. Oh, he's really friendly. He's super friendly. Aw, what a sweetheart. This big guy is now staying at the Vancouver shelter. One week ago, he was brought to the Abbotsford SPCA after Good Samaritans found him wandering in flooded fields on Boundary Road in the Sumas Prairie. The friendly canine was transferred to the Maple Ridge SPCA, where staff posted this heartbreaking photo asking if any Fraser Valley residents know him. But no one came forward. The mystery dog has no permanent forms of ID, so the SPCA is hoping someone who knows who he belongs to will come forward. Super sweet boy. He's a shepherd, mastiff mix maybe, uh, not neutered between a year to two years old. And we're just desperately trying to reunite him with his family. The water was quite high where he was. Um, he, he wasn't swimming, but it was well up past his stomach. And some good Samaritans saw him and got him to come to their vehicle and brought him into us. The animals, of course, have gone through. There's so many that have been lost. And, you know, maybe the family thinks that's what's happened, that this dog didn't make it through the floods and didn't know to reach out to us. Um, it's just heartbreaking because he is such a nice dog. And I'm sure his family will be looking for him if they know where to look. And on that note, if you know the dog or his owners, you can contact the BC SPCA. What a cute dog. Mm -hmm. All right, Barry's back again for the second time during this newscast with breaking news and a preview of what's coming up next. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, uh, of course, Travis Green, we announced earlier, uh, fired by the Canucks, replaced with Bruce Boudreaux. Now, interesting, the Canucks have not released anything about when we can expect to hear from Bruce Boudreaux, which uh, there are some rumblings. Perhaps the changes aren't done yet, so perhaps uh, Jim Benning's job in jeopardy. It certainly is in jeopardy, but perhaps... Uh, something could happen with that. So this story is still, still moving, still in uh, motion. So we'll uh, keep you up to date. We'll see if anything changes in the next 10 minutes when you see it for sports. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much for tracking that for us, Barry. Also ahead, life after a spinal injury. I think that there is an intimidation factor when somebody thinks about a, a peer support group. How an award-winning Kelowna documentary is shedding light on adaptive living. Working as one to connect our province. BC Together, in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash Together to learn where and how you can help today. A Kelowna documentary has been making waves at film festivals around the world, and now you can stream it at home. Global's Sydney Morton spoke with the creators and stars of Reinventing the Wheel. The documentary is called Reinventing the Wheel, and it follows a couple who are just beginning to navigate their lives after a spinal cord injury. I was just new to the wheelchair. Everything was different. Everything was kind of like uncomfortable. You're always, you're in different situations that you're not comfortable with. This documentary with strangers was just another thing to tack on. It was important for us too to just get back to living, and the group was so key in doing that for us. 
Not only does the documentary follow Dan and Colleen, but also shines a light on the importance of a strong support system for people dealing with big life changes. I think that there is an intimidation factor when somebody thinks about a, a peer support group. They think that uh, they're going into a group that's probably going to be, you know, talking about the negatives, the downers, about... Uh, you know, what they're going through. And of course, there's aspects of that. But the point of this movie and about our accessible Okanagan community is to encourage people to get out and be active. Influenced by her own life experiences, Kelowna director Chelsea McAvoy wanted to demonstrate that there is a full life to live after a spinal cord injury. I like to think that we're spreading a little bit of awareness and education and entertainment of like what being in a wheelchair is like, that it's not doom and gloom and sad, although some aspects of it are, but also that life goes on and resilience is key. The documentary has spent the last year on the festival circuit, winning multiple awards. For creating a documentary film, you really don't know where it's gonna go. And that was the case with this one. So when it finished, we knew we had something of importance. And we knew that also when we screened it with the local SCI community. I wasn't really surprised to see it be positively accepted by the worldwide community. Reinventing the Wheel can now be streamed online. For information, visit our website, globalnews.ca slash Okanagan. City Morton, Global News, Kelowna. All right, Barry's back with sports after the break and more on the Canucks' new head coach and later. The look on the kids' faces, unbelievable. So it just inspired me to build more and more. How a school show-and-tell turned into a counting birdhouse-building mission going on strong for 12 years. Support the Salvation Army's Fill the Kettle campaign. For the next five weeks, the iconic red kettles will line the streets in communities across B.C. Help them reach their goal of raising $5 million in an effort to feed, clothe, and shelter individuals and families in need of support. Double your support to the Surrey Hospital Foundation to help the Jim Pattison Outpatient Care and Surgery Center upgrade their equipment for the public. When you donate, it will be matched by businessman Jim Pattison himself. DoubleYourDonation.ca to support. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back again, and he's been on breaking news watch for us as the Canucks have announced who their new head coach is. Barry, what's the latest? Yeah, not, not a sleepy Sunday night no. in the sports tonight, Matthew. <laughs> thanks so much. Well, it is official about an hour and a half ago. The Canucks fired Travis Green and replaced him with Bruce Boudreaux, the former Anaheim Ducks, Washington Capitals, and Minnesota Wild head coach. He has coached 984 NHL games, 567 wins, so pretty successful. Travis Green just could not get his young core of players in sync to lead this team. Elias Pettersson's been a disaster this year. Brock Besser not far behind. In four-plus seasons, about 314 games, Green had just 133 wins. No word yet on when Bruce Boudreaux, uh, Boudreaux will make an appearance. The Canucks do host the LA Kings tomorrow night. What can we expect from Boudreaux? He's a passionate guy, evidenced by this disagreement with Patrick Waugh a few years back. Likes to play the up-tempo style, can be tough on his players. Hasn't coached the past year and a half, but coached 
14 straight seasons before that. He's 66 years old. We'll see if he can unlock this Canucks team and get them to get out of their collective funk. Now, late in the game last night, a fan threw a jersey on the ice, which is about as disrespectful as it gets for a team. Not sure if Boudreaux was already in place by the time that happened, but something had to give. The look of the players on the bench says it all. They looked lost, but there are lots of holes on this roster, and a new head coach may not make that much difference. We'll see. If not, you figure Jim Benning will be the next to go. All right, NHL action tonight. The uh, Kings are taking on the Oilers tonight, so they'll hopefully be tired when they come to Vancouver tomorrow night, but off to a good start. Adrian Kempe with the rest or, uh, wrist shot here to beat uh, Miko uh, Toskanen, make it to 2-0. Darnell Nurse just back from injury uh, after missing about three weeks with a finger injury. Scores here his first of the year. It's 2-1 after two. The Kings lead the Oilers. CFL Division Finals in the West. Riders and Bombers from snowy Winnipeg. What would you expect in December? Despite five first-half turnovers, Bombers only trailed by three. And then Andrew Harris, the former Lion, bulls his way in from three yards out. 14-10 Winnipeg. But the Riders answer Cody Fajardo going deep to Dekeel Williams. 67-yard touchdown. Riders back on top, 21-17. to It was back and forth, but in the fourth quarter, the Bombers with the game-winning touchdown on the sneak. And Winnipeg, they've been the best team so far this year. They win at 21-17. They're off to the Grey Cup in the East. Also snowing in Toronto at BMO Field. Argos and Ticats. Hamilton down 12-0 at the half, but tied it in the third. Dane Evans over the middle to Jalen Acklin for the touchdown. It's tied 12-12. Ticats got a couple of QB sneaks from Evans in the fourth, and Hamilton takes it 27-19. They're hosting the Grey Cup next week, so it'll be a home game for them. They'll meet Winnipeg in the championship game next Sunday. Well, amazingly, despite losing six of seven, the Seahawks are technically still alive for a playoff spot. It looks like eight wins might even be enough to get that final wild card in the NFC. Seattle would still have to win five of six, starting today with San Francisco. But you're saying there's still a chance. Does uh, Russell Wilson have any magic left? The Seahawks just 28 points in their last three games, all losses. Seahawks with some trickery in the first, lined up for the punt, but it's a fake Direct snap to, snap to Travis Homer, who takes it 73 yards. That fires everyone up, especially the head coach. It's 7-0 for the Seahawks. But after a fumble, the 49ers tie it. Jimmy Garoppolo to big George Kittle, who was just dominant for the 49ers today. Ties it up 7-7 at that point, but so many big plays. we got to have 10 minutes of highlights of this one. Second quarter now, 17-7 Niners. Seahawks finally make a big play on offense. Wilson going deep to DK Metcalf. Everyone's been asking for it. Why not throw to Metcalf as much as possible? Great catch. And then Adrian Peterson just joined the team this week. Takes it in for the TD. His 126th career touchdown, tying him with the great Jim Brown for number 10 all-time. It was 17-14, but the Niners answer Kittle again, and this is an incredible play. Makes the catch. Now, this guy goes about 250 pounds, tiptoes like Twinkle Toes Flintstone down the sideline. How does a big man like that keep his balance and stay in balance? What a play. 23-14 San Fran, but credit Seattle. Before the half's over, Wilson to the rookie Dwayne Eskridge for his first NFL touchdown, 23-21 Niners after a wild first half. 
Third quarter just as action-packed. After the Niners intercepted the Seahawks at their goal line, Seahawks sacked Garoppolo in the end zone for the safety, and that ties it at 23 later in the third. It's uh, Wilson dropping it in perfectly for Tyler Lockett. Not many throw this pass better than Russell Wilson. Much more accurate today than he's been since we're coming back from the finger injury. 30-23 Seattle, a wild finish. Niners started a drive at their own one-yard line, but fourth and goal in the dying seconds. Need a touchdown to tie, but the Seahawks defense knocks it down. Carlos Dunlap gets his big mitts up, and the Seahawks win 30-23. They're now 4-8. and eight. Also, NFC leading Arizona Cardinals, welcoming back uh, starting quarterback Kyler Murray. Cards at Chicago, up 14-7 in the second. Murray with the pass to James Conner. What a catch. One-handed and then takes it all the way in for the touchdown. Conner has been a huge addition for the Cards, makes them a Super Bowl contender. 21-7 Zona at the half. Murray threw for two touchdowns, also ran in a pair, including this one as Arizona Looking very good. Cruises past the Bears 33-22. The Cardinals lead the NFC with a 10-2 record. And we've got Ravens and Steelers from Pittsburgh. Third quarter, Ben Roethlisberger is going to find the Abbotsford kid, Chase Claypool. This is actually early fourth quarter. Pittsburgh got nothing offensively till then, but this 40-yard play led to a Steeler touchdown. They were down 10-9. And then late fourth, Roethlisberger with the quick hitter to Deontay Johnson, who will dive into the end zone, and the Steelers have the lead 20-13. But Baltimore got a late touchdown. Instead of going for the extra point to tie, they go for two and the win. Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews, but he can't haul it in. And the Steelers win at 2019. They go to 6-5-1. and one. Ravens drop to 8-4. and four. NBA today, Raptors hosting the Washington Wizards. Pascal Siakam has to be a leader with OG and an OB injured, and he was today. Check out the tough shot here. If he can hit those and still go to the rack, he'll be tough to stop. 63-42 at the half. The bench also strong. A couple Canadians combined. Delano Banton to Chris Boucher. He had 14. Raps win their second straight, 102-90. Toronto now 11-13 on the season. Formula One, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix under the lights. A night of chaos. Max Verstappen leading. Lewis Hamilton bumps him because Verstappen had slowed down to let him pass. Red Bull instructing Verstappen to give up his position after he went off track on a restart. But did he purposely slow down to draw the contact? Hamilton's people think so. They weren't happy. Verstappen finally lets Hamilton by. And uh, Hamilton would cruise to his 103rd checkered flag. Verstappen was second. So they're now tied in the driver's standing with one race to go. Verstappen has the tiebreaker because he has nine wins to eight for Hamilton. What a battle it's been between these two all season long. And it'll come down to the final Sunday next week. Premier League today, Old Trafford hosting some of its greats. Sir Alex Ferguson and Wayne Rooney in the stands to see United host Crystal Palace. 77th, Mason Greenwood over to... Fred, who will score the only goal of the match, 1-0. United wins it, a perfect start for their new manager, Ralph Rangnick. United three points back of West Ham for fourth. And the final round of the Hero Challenge from the Bahamas. Colin Morikawa had a five-shot lead entering the day, but blew up on the front. Two double bogeys, can't find his ball on the par five, made a seven Surprising implosion from Morikawa, who ended up tied for fifth after a four over 76. Norway's Victor Hovland made the big shots of the day. How about this? Second shot on the short par four from the bunker. That's an eagle. 
The next hole reaches the par five and two, and it's back-to-back -back Eagles. Hovland wins it with a 18-under score, one better than Scotty Scheffler. Golfing in the Bahamas, it's fun in December. And we'll keep you up to date again on the Canucks tonight at 11. Travis Green is out, Bruce Boudreaux's in, but could be more changes. We don't know quite yet. Absolutely. You'll be tracking them for us. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much for that, Barry. And we'll be right back with the heartwarming story of a neighborhood construction team's birdhouse building effort. Stay with us. Well, for more than a decade, a BC man has been building homes for some of nature's smallest creatures and his handcrafted work is in high demand. Jay Duran introduces us to the Birdman of Desert Cove in This is BC. Judging by the size of this crew, you'd think they were building a house. They are actually. A lot of them. The project is partly for the birds, but mainly for the school kids. The look on the kids' faces, unbelievable. So it just inspired me to build more and more and more all the time. John Rempel estimates that over the last 12 years, he has built more than 10,000 birdhouses for schools. It all started when he gave a couple to two young boys for show and tell. So a half hour later, a teacher called me and said, are you Grandpa John? I said, yes. And I love your birdhouses. How many more of them can you build for us? They've been turned into Father's Day gifts, presents for mom. John's own arts and craft corner has turned into a neighborhood construction team with friends coming by to help out. It's a lot of work. Um, really, it's too much for one person the way it's grown to so many schools asking for birdhouses every year. They're working through 2,000 pounds of plywood right now. All the wooden parts are donated by a number of local companies. John keeps saying this will be his last batch. At 85, it's not as easy as it once was. I got a little bit of arthritis on my shoulder. It's a little hard to pick up a piece of plywood, but as long as I can depend on my neighbors to help me, I'm going to keep on going as long as I can. A few more parents may find his handiwork wrapped under the tree. So for now, the shop will stay open and the saw will keep buzzing until the very last one is assembled. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. All right, before we let you go, Yvonne, one more check on what we should know for the morning commute tomorrow. Yeah, be prepared. The snow picks up uh, overnight, heavy at times, potentially. Temperature and elevation dependent, but be prepared. We could see that range between 2, potentially up to 10 centimeters, especially for higher elevations. Usual spots, Westwood Plateau, Burnaby Mountain will be included within that. And then wet snow changing over to rain as we get in through the day. All right, and Barry will be back at 11 with the latest on the Canucks' new head coach. Jordan Armstrong will be here as well. Thanks so much for joining us all. Stay safe out there.